Joel, thank you so much for um, tuning into another episode of Indoor Voices. Um, today, we're going to discuss uh, acoustics. And uh, we have Andy Vauder with us from uh, MPS. And uh, Andy, just to jump right in, could you start by telling all of us who are watching what MPS does and kind of what your role is? Sure, yeah, thanks for having me. My role is, you know, I, I run a company called MPS and we do uh, acoustical solutions for uh, interiors, uh, mostly corporate office environments. Um, we do branch out into schools, churches, healthcare, lobbies, you know, other areas. Um, but, uh, you know, we've been doing that for about 20 years, helping people with uh, acoustical problems, privacy issues, distractions, things like that. There we go. Uh, 20 years in acoustics, which seems like such a niche market. But I'm, I'm sure like for the past 12 months, um, just like everything else, you guys were affected by COVID-19. Um, what does navigating COVID-19 look like for such a niche industry like acoustics? Well, of course, like many, it was a challenge, especially early on. It was, uh, you know, like I just said, we do a lot of corporate office. And so, you know, we all know a year ago, everybody uh, left the corporate office and worked from home. And so that was a pretty big shock uh, at that time. Um, but we, we, we really looked at it and said, you know, what we do was the number one problem that people experienced up until there was a bigger problem, like a pandemic that scared people. So uh, we, we still knew what we did was important. We just wanted to figure out the best place to do it, the best way to do that. And so last year, we actually came out with a few work from home solutions that were acoustical and, and designed to help with privacy. Um, not really looking long term as that's going to be who we were, but we, we did want to help people that, that needed help there. Um, and then we just started thinking about what's the new world going to look like? And that started early on last year. You know, at some point, people are going to start coming back to the office. What types of things are going to be on their mind as it relates to privacy, acoustics, and COVID-19? And so we, we started kind of really getting creative about how we were going to help companies in that space once they get back to the office. And so we're starting to get there now. A year later, uh, more and more people are moving back or at least planning to move back. And so uh, that's kind of where we're, we're finding ourselves now. Yeah, so the, the funny part is, again, acoustics being such a niche market, and we'll get into some more interesting stuff, but do you think it's going to be on the radar for facility managers when folks come back to work? Absolutely, it will be, and, and here's why. Um, so, of course, the first thing that's on everybody's mind is, is COVID and safety and making sure that people are, are safe coming back to the office. Um, but we've all been working from home so much this last year uh, you know, we were joking before we started that our kids bother us and, you know, they don't bother us, but they're always in, in there. But overall, working at home is less distracting for most people than working in a, especially an open environment, like a cubicle environment or open workstation. And so um, that, that's going to be a, a big point of focus once people get back. So the way I see it, facility managers are certainly worried about protecting people keeping them safe, making sure that the environment's gonna be right from a COVID-19 standpoint. But as soon as all those people actually show up and actually are physically working there again, I think very quickly, uh, distractions, privacy, and acoustical issues is gonna move very quickly up that radar because people, at the contrast of people working at home for so long, coming back to having you know, 
cubicle mates and people around that are, are they're overhearing their conversations, that's going to be pretty hot. And the biggest thing that we see is facility managers are wanting to reduce the excuses that people have to go back home. So if they can, if they can kind of eliminate a lot of that low hanging fruit where it's like, well, I can hear my neighbor. This is so annoying. I'm going back home. Um, and, and, and they can, they can have plans for how to address some of those issues. Uh, they're going to make, they're going to have whatever they're planning to do as far as keeping people in the office, whatever their schedule is, is going to work if they can reduce the number of excuses and complaints and concerns that legitimate concerns that, that employees have. Yeah, that's an interesting way to kind of think about all that. I think also with 2020 and 2021, we've seen with disinfection, people are really focused on health. Now you've had lots of, uh, I guess you could say building, uh, green building organizations or healthy building organizations kind of really ramp up because of people coming back to work. One of those is the International Well Building Institute. And I was super interested in it. And it caught me off guard that they had like an entire comfort section in their and their standard as a major feature. Um, and it cited noise as a leading source of dissatisfaction. What are we missing um, when we're entering into the indoor environment when it comes to this comfort and this sound? Yeah, that, that's a really, I mean, you and I go way back. So it's just pretty cool that we connected on that level because we're really interested in the, in the, uh, the well-building uh, design standards. And it actually goes back to some of the lead standards that, that originated out of the uh, green building initiatives and, and things like that. Um, but what they discovered, the very first uh, iteration of that didn't include acoustics. Because uh, it, was, it was, everybody was thinking about, we need to build space that is more open, allows more natural light, uh, is better ventilated for breathing. They wanted to get, give people views of the outside. And so they completely shifted how they built office, office space. Very rarely, the newer design, the green building designs, didn't have private offices around the outside. So only executives got to take advantage of outdoor views and then cubicles inside. They reversed that and put the workstations around the outside so everybody gets to view the, the windows and then the private offices were, were bundled inside. But they like it was like year one, they did that as a standard. And by year two, they were like, Hmm. Everybody hates it. It's <laughs> and they hate it because they can overhear everything and it's very distracting. And so uh, they they've started to listen to acoustical consultants, to companies like us, to customers, to people that live in those spaces, and incorporate those in some of the standards. Really looking and each year, each standard that that gets um, improved on, we notice that there's more attention given, more detail given to acoustics. And, and, and how to how to build out spaces properly. With all of the stuff that's come through with international well-building, is there a link between sound and health? Absolutely there is, yeah. Um, when, you, when you look at people's health, and we're, we're really starting to understand this more and more, uh, it has so much more to do than just going to the doctor and, and am I sick or not? You know, we're starting to realize health has a lot to do with your mental state, your stress levels, um, you know, the, those indicators that, that make you a healthy human aren't just, aren't just what the doctor can measure at, at, at the doctor's office, although those are, those are also affected. So uh, there's been several studies done of people in an office environment, especially a distracting one, where people were in, we'll say, a noisy environment where they could overhear other conversations, and it was kind of a, 
uh, a space where they didn't have much privacy. And they, there's one study done in particular several years ago where they, they measured the physical symptoms of stress on the employees that were in this space. Uh, and they, I mean, like heart rate, blood pressure, even different, uh, you know, the blood work levels of, of stress indicators. And they noticed that people that were exposed to longer periods of distracting open office environments literally had higher levels of all of those physical symptoms of stress. Um, and they, when they were able to put them in quieter or more um, shorter amounts of time in those active environments, they saw those numbers decline significantly. So um, it, it's, it's absolutely a, a health concern. And more and more people are understanding that. But for me to work in an office space my entire life, I've got to be thinking about how stress is affecting me and how my mental state is day in and day out in that environment. Um, and that's where the well-building standards are really coming into play. They're thinking about that. It's not just, I have a job and a desk and a paycheck, but my employer and the designers that design the space that I work in were thinking about my mental health and my physical stress and all those things that impact me on a daily basis. It, it's pretty exciting when you think about it just overall, because, you know, while we all want to work to make a paycheck, it's really nice to know that there's much more science and thought and care into our well-being long-term. Um, and, and it, you know, it's fantastic to think about that, that we can actually affect that simply by thinking about how much noise and how the space is designed and where people are working. So I know you're a very solution-oriented guy. So what complaints do your customers, you know, do you help your customers with? When the phone rings and your customer says, I have a need, what are those complaints that you're helping people with? Sure. Um, we, we do all sorts of things, but I'll give you kind of the, the, the most frequent ones that we hear. And it really boils down to two, maybe three things. Uh, one and probably the most um, impactful thing that we do is what kind of what I've been talking about trying to reduce distractions in open office environments because that impacts a lot of people and it impacts their well-being and stress levels. So if they're not, it's not as easy to overhear conversations happening around you, you're going to be more focused, less distracted. That's financially a really good move for a company. So it ROIs well. And so that's kind of the number one thing that we do is we have a big open space with lots of people and they're all complaining because they can hear each other and it's distracting. And so we, we, we drastically improve that environment through acoustical solutions. The second thing that we do, which is probably just as important, it just affects people a little bit differently, is privacy. There, there are, I mean, just the way that we build walls and doors, you know, I mean, we've all been there, right? Where someone closes their office door and we can all still hear everything that's being said or, you know, there's an interview happening in the conference room and you're the one waiting next out in the lobby and you can hear everything that's being asked. So you're jotting down the questions so you can, you know, those the, or your competitors in there and you know what they're saying. There's a lot of issues that go along with that. Uh, and then not to mention HR and, and true privacy concerns that, that, that come through. Um, we have solutions that, that we design and, and implement that help improve and almost guarantee privacy in certain environments. So you know you can go shut the door and have a conversation and people on the other side won't be able to hear. Those are probably the two 
biggest things that we do that we, you know, I, I would say complaints that actually have a financial impact, right? So there's one thing if just people are complaining, but if people are complaining and it's negatively impacting the business financially, that's, you know, those are two things that the business is typically going to move on. Uh, the third thing that we do is more of the noise buildup, the echoey spaces, the conference rooms where video conference technology doesn't work because it's too echoey. No one wants to go in there because the phones don't work. Um, situations like that, break rooms that get so noisy, people don't want to go in there. Um, and those are those are other areas that we help. Uh, and so those three are really, I would say, encompass probably 90% of, of the complaints or requests that we get. No, that, that's awesome. So you've taken us kind of through a lot of interior uh, noise. Does MPS do anything with like exterior noise? We, we don't. Um, and it's not that we can't. Uh, it's just that we've really focused on where I think the biggest need is. And the reason why that's so important is <clears throat> exterior noise is typically some sort of mechanical noise, right? It's a, it's a road, uh, a train, an airport, uh, something like that. Uh, and, and those sounds as humans, we actually can tune out a lot better than conversational distractions. So um, if, if I'm next to the highway and there's just kind of road noise all the time, my brain over time will start to ignore that sound until I go on vacation and come back and, you know, or go work from home for a year, come back, that road noise is going to be really annoying. Uh, but I, I'll, I'll quickly learn how to tune that out. When people are talking and I can understand what they're saying, our brains are just programmed to, to communicate. And so we hear that language. And before we know it, we're, we want to hear about last weekend and tell me all the cool things you did. Uh, and, and, you know, I forgot what I was doing because I'm listening to that conversation over there. Um, and so when you, when you rank kind of where the actual problems affect people in an office space, way more often it's other people in the office space than it is exterior noise coming in. Now, if you're building a building, you want to think about both of those things because there are certainly things that can be done to reduce that exterior noise from coming in. But as a company, we've looked and said, those conversational distractions are the, the biggest issue. And how do we help? How do we help there? Your answer is just like so many aha moments as to, oh, yeah, that makes sense when I'm in my office. Um, when it comes to sound masking, um, what uh, what does MPS does? And is there any particular that you guys lean towards? So sound masking is a technology that has been around for over 50 years. The government invented it, the DOD invented it to protect secret military conversations in the 60s. Um, and, and so corporations have used it now. We've, we and others have perfected it to uh, make it comfortable and work in an office environment. But what it is, is we're actually introducing sound into a space. Believe it or not, most of the problems that happen from a distraction and acoustic issue is not that it's too noisy, it's that it's too quiet. And that, that's counterintuitive to most people. They, they call us and say, I can hear everybody, it's too noisy. And I walk in and we're all whispering. I'm like, oh, we're whispering because we can all hear each other. So, you know, we, we, we address that often by introducing a background sound. It kind of sounds like air conditioning. It used to be called white noise. Like back in the day, they would put white noise in buildings. Um, but white noise is actually pretty annoying. And so we've mimicked HVAC sounds. You walk into a building, your brain immediately thinks you're hearing air conditioning. It tunes it out. But by elevating the background sound, those conversations become less noticeable. 
and less intelligible and therefore less distracting. So it's, it's that age old saying, if it's so quiet, you can hear a pin drop. Well, then of course I can hear that person talking 40 feet away. And so uh, we, we try and remove that as best we can. And that's what sound masking does. So we actually include a sound into the space um, that covers over all those distracting conversations. It's, it's pretty wild stuff. And the demo is great because what you do is you bring someone in when it's on and they don't know it because their brain assumes it's air conditioning. And then you just say, you want to demo what sound masking is like? And you turn it off. And all of a sudden it's like you get hit with this silence, deafening silence. And all of a sudden now you can hear everybody. And it's kind of a fun way to show how the technology works. That's, that's great. I, again, one more maybe technical thing. Does, does MPS do like sound mapping? Hey, this is where your sound's coming from. This is what you need to do with it. Do you guys get that nitty gritty? So we could, we could, but there's a, there's a, a whole industry out, out there called acoustical consultants that do just that. They come in and they measure and map and then build, um, you know, recommendations based off of that. And we have chosen not to be acoustical consultants. And so we actually work alongside a lot of them. So we don't do it just because, you know, when you work alongside someone that does, you don't want to take their business away from them. So, uh, you know, we recommend that an acoustical consultant come in and do that. That doesn't mean I've not done it and we, we haven't done it, but the interesting thing about sound too, it can be extremely complicated and every space is unique. And there are some spaces that are so crazy unique, you need to come in and map everything out. It needs to be statistically measured everywhere and, and mapped out. But most spaces, especially when you're talking about office space, have really consistent standard environments, right? I mean, your office I can see has drop ceiling about 10 feet. I'm sure you have carpet with no padding underneath drywall walls. It looks very similar to our office um, and most offices out there. Well, then we can use a one-time mapping to, to extrapolate to a 80, the 80-20 rule, right? 80% of the jobs we do are going to be that kind of environment. And it gets pretty easy for us to um, quickly and inexpensively make recommendations based off of historical, you know, understanding of spaces. And then that 20%, sometimes you need to bring in an acoustical consultant to map it out and to really uh, hit some specific frequencies and to solve some specific problems. Um, so it goes from being really kind of simple all the way to like PhD, you know, crazy complicated type stuff. Um, but again, we try and make it as simple as possible, as often as possible. Yeah, no, but, but that's great though, because you guys are the experts, right? And for those of you out there, um, I, I think you guys, Andy, at MPS, you actually do write some continuing education units for architects and designers. What are some big points that you guys make in kind of that education session about acoustics? Yeah, so, it, you know, we talked about wellness. And so it's a certified uh, health safety wellness um, course. So it's it's one of the ones that, it really points out the health benefits to addressing acoustics. So the one we've done for a couple of years is really about teaching about privacy and how to design for privacy. So we kind of do what I just told you, like we, we teach architects and designers that 80% rule. If you just incorporate some of these principles into your overall plan, it's going to be better than if you hadn't done that. That's kind of the goal of the presentation. You know, we're not trying to turn them into acoustical consultants. We're not trying to help them solve every acoustic problem. 
we're trying to get them just to think about a couple basic principles early on in the process and they'll they'll eliminate a lot of potential issues down the road. So that's that's the one we've done. And then we're actually about to launch a new CEU that deals with designing for acoustics post COVID. So it, it, it really looks into, all right, let's look at COVID-19 and what it has done to us and to our offices and to our workforce. And how do we plan and design for acoustics with that in mind? So, you know, of course, everything seems to have changed after 2020. So um, we wanted our CEU to, to address some of those new challenges that, are, that we're seeing out there. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pull you into my world for a little bit. So my world is is flooring, um, and uh, polished concrete and LVT are making their way into the market steadily. Some folks uh, are removing carpet, saying carpet's dying. But does MPS follow around some renovations where there's just a lot of hard surface? Because I can I can imagine the decibel level is kind of through the roof in those facilities. Yeah. So. Um... Of course, a lot of what we do is a standard office still, the drop tile, the, the carpet tiles. Um, but you're right, more and more we're seeing wood floors, exposed concrete ceilings, you know, LVT or tile all over the place. Um, you know, yeah, polished concrete floor. They look gorgeous. I mean, I know why they're doing it, right? I mean, it's just fantastic uh, looking. <clears throat> and yet uh, that, that kind of goes back to our CEU a little bit. We're, we're trying to educate designers about thinking about the impacts that, that those choices that you make for visual reasons have on the acoustics, which then you tie that to what that has to your health and well-being as an employee, um, not to mention complaints and issues that facility managers have to deal with. I mean, it, it kind of has a pretty impactful trickle-down effect. Um, so we're, we're, we're constantly working to educate architects and designers, but also working on projects where they're, they're getting a lot smarter. I mean, I would say four or five years ago, it was like we had to educate everybody to do this. Now, more and more designers and architects are bringing us in to incorporate the right products into the space while they think about how do we keep this exposed look? This, this, we really want to keep this concrete floor. So, but we know if we do that, we probably don't want to encase that room in glass. And they're already starting to understand just those basic principles and so then they say, okay, we can keep the floor, but we're going to want to do this in the ceiling, or we're going to want to do this on the wall to kind of counteract what we're going to do with the floor or vice versa, the ceiling's exposed. So we want to, you know, that that's a big, big thing that's going on. Um, but we still see it. We still see customers that, you know, they just moved into a space. They have 13 conference rooms that are gorgeous. I mean, they really look cool, but no one's scheduling them. No one's using them and they're frustrated because People are literally having meetings in the workstations like huddled around a, a computer screen when there's a beautiful conference room over here. And it's because polished concrete floor, three walls of glass and drywall ceiling. And they're like, yeah, it, you, you can't do anything in there. You hear yourself eight times before it stops bouncing off the walls. And so that that's a very common issue. Um, and when you think about flooring and, and where that's headed, uh, Carpet, I don't think is going anywhere, but it, it is certainly diversifying into some other other things. And the importance is on a from the flooring side, would I think would be to reiterate that same message to architects and designers that when you go with these solutions, let's also think about what impacts that's going to have. And they're totally addressable. You can totally design it from the beginning to be the best space. You just have to be thinking about it. <clears throat> 
you gotta you gotta understand the consequences of of all those decisions and and that's that's where we try and educate as often as we can i love it it's like win one for carpet because that's that's my world um all right one last question for you for all of us working from home what can we do to make sure that background noise from our little ones doesn't make it on zoom calls oh gosh if i had the answer i'd be at my house right now doing this interview but uh so I'm going to start with, I'll tell you a couple things not to do or that just don't work and will be a waste of money. <clears throat> Putting like an acoustic panel on your door is, is going to do nothing. It really will do nothing. Um, it, 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 acoustic panels are designed to absorb sound. So in order to do that, they have to let the sound in, which means whatever they don't absorb goes right through it. And so it doesn't stop sound from going through a door at all. Uh, and I, I've seen a lot of people waste money on that and then be annoyed that it didn't even do anything. Um, so you're actually better off uh, incorporating some sort of background sound because ho homes are very quiet typically, you know, and I have wood floors in my house. So like someone says something on the other side, you, you hear everything. And so uh, one of the things that I utilize is a, a small sound masking white noise machine in my office at home. It just sounds like a little fan is going, but I'm not getting cold by having a giant fan blow on me. But it's the same concept, right? People like to sleep with a fan on, so it kind of drowns out all those little creaks and sounds that wake us up at night. Um, same principle works in your home office. Uh, some, you could just turn a fan on and it will drastically improve uh, the, or reduce the distractions that you might be hearing. Um, you know, a lock on the door, making sure your kids can't just burst in, that would be my favorite. Uh, it has nothing to do with acoustics, but <laughs> um, those are really the two. And then the other thing that, we, that we've seen work for work from home, because not everybody has a dedicated office where they can close the, close the door and kind of isolate. They're at the kitchen table or they're, you know, at the kitchen countertop. And so um, we've, we've had some, some nice acoustic screens that are like freestanding. So you can kind of, and, and I use that during the early parts of COVID. Uh, and I, I really liked it because what it did for me was it just created this shroud. It helped absorb sound and reduce um, the noise level, but also it just kind of made me feel like I wasn't noticing all the stuff at home that distracts me. Like I could put that in front of, you know, behind my laptop, in front of my eyes, and it, it made it so I wasn't seeing the TV over there. I wasn't seeing the fridge. I, I wasn't being distracted. I felt, and it was, you know, we, we all remember this, like, late March, early April, I, I was doing that and I was, I would be done working. And I'd be like, I actually felt like I was in the office today. You know, it was, a, it was an amazing day. I, I felt like I wasn't working quarantining at home. And, and so that's another thing that I've seen work. It works for me very well. We don't know anything, right? We're just trying to listen and learn every day. That's, that's my goal. So. Yeah, but you really helped us. I mean, full answers on, again, this thing that some people just don't think through called acoustics. So I appreciate it, Andy. We've, we've been able to really delve into something that most of us really don't think about and then really come, with some, come away with some really practical solutions, both for office and then even that last question from home. So I appreciate you being on. I appreciate you exploring the great indoors with us today, Andy. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. If you enjoyed this conversation, please rate and subscribe. This podcast is an audio-only version of the Indoor Voices interview series presented by Millicare Floor and Textile Care. You can watch the video of this interview and find other episodes 
at millicare.com slash indoor voices.